0: ladies, and welcome to the AmazingBible.Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. All right, ladies, this week we are looking at the second book of Psalms, 42 to 72. This book starts with Psalms of Korah. The sons of Korah were Levites who were singers and musicians in the temple. We find them in 1 Chronicles chapter 6 verses 31 through 38 and 2 Chronicles chapter 20 verses 18 and 19. We are going to look at today Psalms 42 through 49. The only one that is anonymous is Psalm 43 but in the Hebrew manuscripts, Psalm 42 and 43 are combined as one Psalm. So it is very likely that the sons of Korah were also the authors. As I said with book one, we see words like a maskel or selah. All we really know is that these are probably musical terms, but it is unknown what the true translation means. One other thing that I did not clarify last week was that most people and theologians do not talk of the books as having a theme, but it is W. Robert Godfrey's book, Learning to Love the Psalms, where he classifies the five books and gives each book a theme, but the Bible itself does not say that. It wasn't until my Psalms class, and especially this book, that I see what he's talking about. Book one was the king's confidence in God's care. And over and over again, I saw, and hopefully you did too, how King David placed his trust in the Lord. If you remember, book one is mainly written by King David or they were anonymous. Now with book two, the majority are written by King David, 18 of them. Eight are by the sons of Korah. One is by Asaph another Levite musician of the temple, and the last one is by King Solomon. According to Godfrey, book two underscores the importance of the king and the kingdom of God's people. Every psalm in this book except one, which is Psalm 49, mentions either the king, or Jerusalem, or the temple, or sacrifices, or the altar, Psalm 49 addresses the whole world, which may reference that the kingdom of God is for the whole world. One thing I mentioned as we started our study of the Psalms, each book starts with an individual psalm and then a corporate psalm. Also with book two, there seems to be more corporate songs or songs for the congregation than there are individual songs. Psalm 42 and 43 is an individual psalm, which makes sense why these two psalms are combined. Plus, if you note Verse 5 of each psalm, they are very similar. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. In Psalm 42, we see the house of God mentioned. And then in Psalm 43, we see the holy hill and the altar of God. These two hymns could either be categorized as either celebration or praise. Also with the phrase, hope in God, it seems to carry or connect with the theme of book one in that our confidence rests in God. In these first two Psalms of book two, we see trials and despair, but also a yearning for God as a deer pants for water brooks. So my soul longs for you. It has been said many times that humanity has a hole of emptiness in their heart and that hole can only be filled with their creator. We try to fill it with many other things, but only a relationship with God can truly fill it. Psalm 44 is a corporate psalm. It starts, "O God, we have heard with our ears. Our fathers have told us the work that you did in their days, in the days of old. This reminds me of the importance of sharing with our family, our kids and our grandkids, what God has done in our lives. Verse 4 says, You are my king, O God. This psalm is a lament, and the people are crying out because they feel the Lord has forsaken them. It ends with, redeem us for the sake of your loving kindness. Godfrey puts these three psalms in the category of commitment in trials, and the next five as a commitment in praise of God and his kingdom. In Psalm 45 in verse one, we already see that it is upbeat. The sons of Korah are addressing the king. Then verse six says, your throne, O God is forever and ever. The Psalm then addresses to the daughter of the king and it appears to be a Psalm for a wedding. With Psalm 46, we see it is set up with three verses with a Selah at the end of each and a repeated refrain after verses 2 and 3. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. In this psalm, we see the city of God and a holy dwelling. Verse 10 tells us to cease striving and know that I am God. In other translations, it says, be still and know that I am God. According to Godfrey, in order to remember and believe, we must quiet our mouths and minds. We must think carefully about our God and who he is. In a book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen R. Covey, one of the main points is that we allow the urgent and unimportant things to fill our lives and the important but not urgent items we lay aside. For me, the best example of that is our youngest son's baby book. I didn't get to it till he was way older, but it was very important to me. In Covey's book, he encourages us to organize our lives and list the important things and purposefully make time for them. Spending time with the Lord, quieting our hearts, making ourselves to be still and to know that God is God really should be at the top of our list. Psalm 46 through 48 are all praise or celebration psalms. In Psalm 47, in verses 2 and 7, we see that the Lord Most High is king over all the earth. In verse 8, we see that God sits on his holy throne. In Psalm 48, we see the city of our God. We see Mount Zion, the city of the great king. We also see the temple is mentioned in verse 9. Again, in verse 13, we see a need to tell that next generation about God's place. This psalm ends with, He will guide us until death. And then we have Psalm 49, the last psalm of the sons of Korah. It begins with an encouragement to listen. And then verse 3 says, This is to gain wisdom and understanding. So it seems easy to define this psalm as a psalm of wisdom. This is the psalm without reference to either king or Jerusalem or temple. But it starts, Hear this, all people. The truth is wisdom and God is the God of all people and not just the Jews. His heavenly kingdom is for all who believe in him no matter what nationality. This psalm talks about material wealth and how you can't take it with you to Sheol after you die. This psalm also says that all men die righteous and wicked. And then verse 15 says, but God will redeem my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. As the apostle Paul wrote, to his younger son in the faith Timothy in 2nd Timothy chapter 4 verses 6 through 8 for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come I have fought the good fight I have finished the race I have kept the faith And now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Back to that seven habits book. Covey says, in order to see what's important to you, what do you want people to say about you when you die? Oddly enough, when we think about our death It helps us to live our lives more fully. Have you ever thought about it? Do you spend all your time and energy and money on things that you can't take with you? Do you spend time on urgent but unimportant matters? Are you ready to meet your maker face to face? Those who are in Christ, who have confessed their sins and have asked Jesus to come into their lives and to forgive them of their sins, those people don't have to be afraid. For we hope in God. So ladies, if you hear his voice today, don't harden your hearts. Instead, let's be women who pray and obey. Until next time, and thanks so much for listening.